Sweet mother, sweet mother, send a child unto me. Sweet mother, sweet mother, send a child unto me. Hey, welcome everyone back to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls, episode 57. Uh, apparently this is sonnet number 71, no longer mourn for me when I am dead. That's a thing, I guess? Do you know where it's from? I guess. Uh, hey, welcome to Classic, everyone, brought to you. By the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on the iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, QuestGamingNetwork.com, of course. Uh, today's record date is Middos, the 29th of mid-year. Of course, our sponsors are... Ah, we'll get them to later. Um, I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, and am joined not only by the Dark Brotherhood, if you're, if you're watching us um, in-game right now or if you're catching us on the uh the live stream or on youtube uh we've got the dark brotherhood here but i am also joined by the one and only when someone needs the stabbins you call this man mike the tamrielic historian and to your right of arwen hmm. panning to my right oh i see Apparently Which we... one's the speaker? Which one's the silencer? Oh my! Uh, well, we're grouped up, so you're obviously <laughs> <laughs> the, the, tiny, the tiny one with the crown. Yeah, it's, it's the tiny one with the crown. Damn crown gave me away. It did. It, it gave you away. <laughs> that, that, that again. Are you a little short to be a silent to be a speaker? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that why you weren't able to get into stormtrooper school? What? I think so. <laughs> so there he is. Mark. How you doing, Mike? I am doing a-okay. We are wrapping up my favorite uh, quest line, so, you know, we, uh, we'll see how this goes. Exactly. It took us, uh, you know, as long for Avarwin to do his first sacrament as it took for me to do the entire quest line. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it took a while. It took a while to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a fair cop. Yeah. Of course, uh, Mike, the Dark wow. Brotherhood, and myself... We are joined by the one and only, the person who's able to call you out on all your Skyrim's the worst test game ever reasons with a single Battle Spire reference. Mark. Gauntlet of the Horny Fist. Uh, oh, yes. God. <laughs> How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. Oh, no, I'm, I'm glad to see this going. Um, yeah, no, this is... Uh, it, it's, it's funny, we've been doing the Dark Brotherhood so long... It's funny to actually get back, you know, get into ESO to finish her off. As they say. As they say. Um, so, we've got a great show for you planned, all outlined out for you today. Uh, it's all about evil, and your choice to be evil in either Elder Scrolls Online, all throughout the uh, the Elder Scrolls series, and, and so much more. Um, now, as we're doing that, Mike, we're going to do a Litany of Blood quest, correct? We're going to do parts of it, because uh, you're level 15, you can't leave uh, AG zones yet, so so we'll start it. Oh, I, that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not racist at all. <laughs> um, so, uh, hey... You know what? We've got lots of people supporting our show this week. Um, we'd like to uh, we'd like to thank you folks out there for for shopping at Amazon. Oh my God, that's weird. Why Amazon? Um, because some of you guys out there who listen to the show uh, have gone to QuestGamingNetwork.com and you've clicked on our uh, Amazon link, which means that whatever you buy on Amazon that day, 
uh, at no extra cost to you, it supports QGN. So we want to thank you for that. Um, as well as everyone who has joined in on our uh, highly successful uh, Elder Scrolls Off the Record email group. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show of the uh, of the email group, you know we'll email you, we'll email you the show, and of course updates on what's going on with the show for on a week to week basis. Um, you can email us at Elder Scrolls Off the Record at uh, gmail.com, and we'll add you to the group. Uh, this is this is works great for people who don't have Twitter or Facebook or any sort of social media. Um, with that, uh, we'll talk about the rest of those uh, other folks later on in the show who sponsor us, of course. Uh, we all know who they are. We'll talk about them later. Uh, but right now, Jazzledar, one of our best sponsors of the show, has the Two Moons Horoscope. Yes, sir. Yes. This one has left Sentinel and moved south through the Alakir to Hughesbane. It is a city under the Iron Wheel, most literally. The people are crushed by overbearing eye of this mercenary menace. A young Altmer has asked this one for some help. Jezeldar will liberate the city and some gold. But what does the future hold? That is why we are here. Today, Jode is a slim dagger and Joan is a large shield. In the end, who would you side with? Let them hear your prayers. Today, Jezeldar has also heard from his friend Madriel. Adriel will take on a new sister to his family. He will not say more, but his letter said he hopes to see this one in Anvil, and he left his handprint there for me. May warm sands be in your future. Ah, very good. Mark, what are we, what are we doing today? Well, today we are going to be doing the Litany of Blood. Uh, you and Mike are going to run around uh, murdering anything that moves. Um... We are going to have a discussion topic, and we are going we are going to be discussing the important of being uh, the importance of being evil, or you know, earnest, or oh no, sorry, sorry, how important is being evil? I prefer my way of saying it. Listen, uh, I did not go to school for five years to be called Mister Evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're in the history of. We're going to be talking about evil stuff, bad things done so good. And in the Sonarist Archives, the dark side of Tamriel, playing evil. Plus our fast question of the week, and uh, tweets in an email. Oh, yeah. Or, sorry, an email. An email! <laughs> um, so so thanks, everyone, for, for uh, coming out tonight uh, to check us out here at Classic on the live show on uh, YouTube. YouTube.com slash Network slash live. Uh, of course, next week we're going to be um, doing Elder Scrolls Off the Record, and we're going to be interviewing Rich Lambert, uh, the creative director of Elder Scrolls Online. So um, that's going to be Wednesday, July 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you have the opportunity, come on out and check that out. So it's going to be a good time. All right. Um, we've got a discussion topic. We're going to jump into this in a minute. But before we do that, um, Mike... Why don't you kind of show us a little bit on how to get into the whole litany of blood thing here in Elder Scrolls Online. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay, well, the first thing that you have to do is actually join the Dark Brotherhood. So we've talked a little bit about that uh, between ESOTR and Classic for the last couple of weeks now, uh, where you end up going to the Thieves Guild Refuge in any of the cities, and you meet up with a woman who talks about the Dark Brotherhood, and they're recruiting, and tells you to go to Anvil. And uh, you're asked to kill an innocent, and then you're approached by a fairly familiar face, I would say, 
um, you know, for those that have played Skyrim. And uh, we play in a bumper quite a bit. And uh, you then meet up with a contact who, you know, bestows upon you the uh, Blade of Woe. And you can go upon your merry way, creating havoc all over Tamriel. Uh, but if you decide to take the first quest, you complete the first quest. You are given the passcode through the black door. And you enter into the Dark Brotherhood Sanctuary, where we are now. Upon completion of your first sacrament quest, so sweet mother, sweet mother, uh, you are approached by a non-player character who is standing right in front of Avarwin uh, by the pillar there. And Avarwin, I think you're going to talk to her, right? And she's going to start us on yeah. our way. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, going to do that right now. So, so here she is, Nevusa. Um, Alright, so we're going to just click through here a little bit. Started Litany of Blood. There we go. Now I have to come over here and examine the Litany of Blood book, which is this uh, red book here with the uh, Dark Brotherhood hand on it. Litany of Blood completed. Uh, now I have to talk to Navusa again. But you're right over there. Okay, we're talking. Why don't you just follow me to the book, lady? I can read the Litany of Blood. All right, let's click through this. There it is. You receive the book itself. What if I kill the wrong person? That would. That's just inappropriate. <laughs> All right, so let's crack this bad boy open. Shadow increase to 17. That's nice for me. There we go. Okay. So, we've got it. So it says, The Litany of Blood, a chant to the Night Mother. Woe unto thee, Night Mother, who's born to Anu. From beyond death's prison, I offer those who meet my unshriven gaze with your blade's cold caress. You will know them by their eye. So, and then it gives you a break, and then we start. Pray to thee, dread father, those born to Anu. And all of them will start with that phrase. From Skywatch, I offer she who reflects the heavens in her gaze and dress. Drifting from dance to dance, you will know them by their eye. So, that gives us a clue. So, from Skywatch. So, we are going to be making our first move off to Skywatch. So, so these uh, Litany of Blood quests, um, they're kind of like, you know seek and hunt sort of sort of quests right you read the litany of blood book it gives you these clues and you just sort of go after who you think the clue might be cluing you into uh might need the uh the old slashing yep so it's actually kind of a fun little quest because everything else in elder scrolls online it tells you go here and do this and you get there and there's a little um indicator over the person's head to talk to them or to do whatever you were sent to do the Litany of Blood is unlike that. And, uh, you know, we're going to make our way out of the Sanctuary, which actually, should we take a tour of the Sanctuary first? Yeah, we might as well. Okay, so we'll come to the door here. Uh, so when we enter the Sanctuary, we're going to have the black door here. And uh, we have a picture on each side, which is really cool. Sure. And our first stop is a quest giver to the left-hand side. Right, so and you come in, and uh, you got a quest giver here on your on your left ha- left hand side. There's like a little 
a little alcove here uh, you'll see on, on your map. Uh, Elam Drellis, he's a uh, Dunmer. And uh, there's a book called Marked for Death. And this gives you uh, quests for going to kill people who have paid money to uh, the Dark Brotherhood to have somebody eliminated. Right. Now, this is away from the main storyline of the Dark Brotherhood DLC here in ESO. Correct. This is a thing you can do repeatedly as many times as you want. Right. There's a nice little grotto, kind of like, uh, if you remember, to mm. Skyrim, when uh, you first get into the sanctuary there. Yeah, could dip your toes in this water here. It's real nice. <laughs> There's a glass uh, sword or dagger being driven through a heart. Right. Very, and uh, I think this is pretty cool. If you stand right where I am and look down at the floor, it looks like there's faces. So I'll back up so you can move over a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I definitely was. see exactly what you're talking about right here. There's there's like a main one right here. Here's the mouth, nose, eye here, top of the head. Like right over here, there seems to be like a shadow of a brow line here with the eye and maybe like a like an off-centered mouth here. Oh, I see it. Yeah, you, you see that, it, right? That's, I hadn't looked, noticed before, but that's creepy. It's well, I don't know like four faces that I've counted so far just looking at this. I see two. I don't see so four. So there's one right here. Right. There's the main one right here. Uh huh. There's a screaming one right here. And then there's one right here where I'm standing now. Don't see a screaming one. I don't see it. So. Maybe your shadow's over it just a little bit. If you back up just a little bit, the mouth. Could be. There's an eye, a nose, a mouth, and like hair to the left, the right hand side. So it's kind of like a slight profile. I guess like over here it. or something? Well, you, I don't know if you could see that, but. <laughs> but either way, there's yeah. all these faces that are projected on the floor. I thought that was the coolest thing when I saw yeah, that. That's super cool. We started in a room where the speaker was, and there's a bunch of platforms that, as we do this litany of blood, will start to fill up with uh, some souls. Okay, that's not too creepy. Yeah. But, you know, hey. We enter into the main living area uh, of the Dark Brotherhood Sanctuary. Mm, seems cozy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. To this way, I believe, is the sleeping quarters. Okay, this is where everyone... This is where everybody sleeps. Beds down for the, uh, the evening or the day. And you'll find your other brothers and sisters up here. Okay. And to the left, we can see by the water fountain feature. <laughs> kind of sucks a lot if like one, like one of these guys like really snores hard. Everyone here is going to be woken up by that. That's for sure. It's... Dark Brotherhood. Cribs edition. <laughs> Yo, dog, I heard you like cribs in your assassinations. So we assassinated some cribs so your cribs could be assassinated. And then I am in the <laughs> matron's room. She has a nice library and a bedchamber. Kind of like Astrid had her own space uh, in uh, Skyrim. Okay. <laughs> so they're... Uh... The silence on that one spoke volumes, guys. <laughs> Very Notice nice. Notice there's no manacles next to the uh, the toilet. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. The the toilets here are manacleless. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's talking about the. Um, that's a Skyrim reference right there. Uh, yeah, Grelog the, the kind. Uh, 
had uh, handcuffed oh, manacles. Oh, right, in the, right. In, in the toilet. Yeah. Right. In the bathroom. Right. Okay, right. I remember now. And then there's uh, a bar eating area here with Remain Silence. Remain Silent, Bequeather. If you talk to her every day, uh, she's going to give you, if you have that, uh, I think it's. Let's see, I got to bring up my thing. Um, the fourth one down, Shadowy Supplier. If you have that, you can go to her once a day and she gives you an uh, article of armor or a weapon or some poisons or uh, stuff to make poisons. Okay. So, it's definitely very good because some of the hard-to-find things like uh, the Nightshade, uh, on a regular basis you get those if you take the poison option. And she can also be found, this is kind of cool, she can be found inside the Thieves' Guild dens. So you don't have to come here to uh, to see her every time. Oh, so you can go to the Just... Thieves' Guild den as well. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I think All she right. had, she was a whole clutch of eggs because she's everywhere. Let's um let's let's jump into our discussion topic, guys. Um, I'm a little eager to sort of start that and uh, maybe maybe make our way to the litany of blood uh, quests as well. Okay. Um, okay. So. So, like I said, um, today is uh, today is all about you know choosing to be evil in Elder Scrolls, and um, we sort of examine that from both a lore point um, as well as a, a uh, you know history in game, um, out of game rather point as well. Um, plus, you know how how applicable is that in, in Elder Scrolls Online? What's it like to RP that sort of thing? So, um, Elder Scrolls games are basically open to any playstyle you want, including you know playing more evil characters. You know, how how important is that inclusion of these options is sort of the question we want to ask ourselves. You know, is that important to the series? You know, do we often take advantage of that? You know, what do you consider to be evil um, anyway in, in your character? I mean, there's some pretty obvious stuff, but, you know, where do we draw that line? And uh, we also have this question here as to motivations of, of being evil from the RP perspective. You know, what, what motivates... Mm-hmm. What do you think motivates your character or characters to be evil? So let's let's take this. I mean, it's got a multifaceted question here. So let's kind of go around the room. Um, the big the big one, the big question here: How important is the inclusion of the choice to be evil in the series? How important is that? And uh, we're going to start with uh, we're start with Mark on this one. Oh, I would say that the ability to choose to do be evil in the games is a really important one. Um, I think that it it just adds to the depth of the series. It it makes it um, it makes it more uh, it makes it uh, a series that allows you to basically approach it on your terms. If I'm in a bad mood and I just want to go around and cause chaos. I can go around and cause chaos. If I want to roleplay, if, if I'm tired of playing the hero and I want to try something a bit darker, I can do that. And this this just adds to the replayability of all the different games. I mean, there's, there's already fantastic replay value from just deciding to play someone who focuses on heavy armor versus someone who's going, you know, uh, classic cloth and, cloth and stick mage. Um, but giving that option for evil suddenly uh, gives these moral choices as well. And 
you know, there's the saying that without uh, without uh, light, there can be no shadow. But you know, you, you can also look at it as that uh, darkness makes the light seem brighter. Um, it, it it just sort of when it's done well, it really just makes the world feel that much better, and at the same time, gives you more. Um, it, it sorry. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to, the best way to put this. I, I just find that it it makes things feel deeper. Mm. Um, and I think that one of the best ways to put it is actually, or the best examples of having that choice is um, in the introduction to the Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim. When you kill Grelod the Kind, you're given one final choice, which is kill, you know, or you're given a choice between kill one of the three people that you're presented with because you owe the Dark Brotherhood a life, kill all the three people that you're presented with, uh, or only two if you choose, and then there's the unstated uh, option, which is kill Astrid. And if you kill Astrid, you basically go into what can be considered to be the the good line for this quest. You you now dedicate yourself to destroying the Dark Brotherhood. Um, however, if you instead decide to go and go after, it, instead you do decide to follow through and kill what, for all you know, are people who don't deserve to die, though some definitely do seem to. Um, if you choose... If you choose to go ahead with that, you are you are saying that, okay, I choose that for whatever my reasons are, I want to be part of this. I want to continue down this path of murder. Right. Uh, well, first of all, um, <clears throat> Mark, uh, we didn't invite you into the group that we're in right now. No, no. And uh, like choosing between good and evil, um, I don't have an AD character. Oh, okay. Because you know. Um, oh, okay. All right. Between good and evil. And evil, yeah. And, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I've, n- I've never been able to, to, you know, get through making an AD character, or at least even ha- like I, I've made one once, but I never actually played the character. Uh, and it's just sort of like, you know what? Especially with one Tamriel coming out, there isn't Why a bother? huge reason. Yeah, there, there's Why really bother? a huge reason for me to to actually make one. I, I hear you on that. Um, I was actually well, and, and it's a side conversation. I, I don't really want to yeah. Oh, yeah. sidetrack no, no on that, but but um, okay. So, uh, Mark, basically, you're saying you know, extremely important to to the series. It adds a lot of depth. Yeah, uh, Mike. What about you? I mean, is this is this choosing evil in in Elder Scrolls in the series? I mean, uh, the the choice itself is. Do you think that's important? If it were to go away in Elder Scrolls Six, do you think it'd be a problem? Uh, I believe so. That uh, with the Elder Scrolls, we're already in a land where good has not really stood up for itself. And it's the hope that the player character will fulfill that. Uh, But you're given so many opportunities to do bad things that, uh, you know, you can't just take a whole uh, choice away from people. Um, you think about it, you know, you have all of these daedra quests that you have, that you're given the option to do. Imagine if you could no longer do all of those quests, how boring the game would be. You have the Thieves Guild, which, yes, you know, you can play the Thieves Guild, and they kind of try and make it 
feel that way. The the Robin Hood, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor type of thing. But traditionally, I mean, these people are stealing to make money for themselves, not you know, to further you know the the concepts of the Gray Fox. Uh, so you know, it, it would take away that whole playland, and then you know, the Dark Brotherhood is completely based on you know going out and murdering you know people in the game and it's you know been in every game or a rendition of it you know Morrowind had it as a non-playable faction sure um you know but it's been in every game since Daggerfall right um yeah I'm gonna have to uh I'm gonna have to say yeah it's I mean it's obviously extremely important um to to have this sort of this choice you know there's there's something that Elder Scrolls fans love love saying, and that's Elder Scrolls uh, is is all about choice. You know that's the reason why uh, the folks at Bethesda and and here in in um, Zenimax Online Studios as well they build a world. Your character is up to you. They don't want to build your character. They want to build a world, and in that world exists stories. And your character interacts with those stories the way you feel that character or you feel it yourself would it react given the same given those situations um so yeah the choice to be evil is just as important as the choice to be good in any elder scrolls game and is um part of an extension of this gigantic pillar that holds up this series of choice choice is a pillar a huge pillar of the series and to um, to say that, you know, the choice to be evil in the game is not important at all is uh, really, I think, not understanding Elder Scrolls um, in its uh, and what makes Elder Scrolls fun and, and different than many other um, IPs out there. So, okay, so we've established that obviously um, the choice to be evil is extremely important in this game and, and all the, you know, all through the, the, the good and evil spectrum, anywhere to putting yourself anywhere on that spectrum having that choice is is just fully um it's just a huge pillar of the series so however the one thing that i wish they would do better is to make it so that good options you know existed because i, I feel like with some of them they just don't exist you know, like with the Molag Ball quest in Skyrim, let's say. Right. Yeah. You, know, you go and you get the mace. And in order to get the mace, you have to kill the uh, priest of Stendar. And then you have to go and find the other priest for Boethia and lure him down and repeatedly kill him with the mace. It, it's like, really, there is no good option there. You can't. It's a no win situation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna say, yeah, it's, it's basically, once you say, once you enter that house, you basically can't leave until you've murdered uh, a good man who just gives in to fear, and then it's just like, your only option from there is to go like, huh, that was weird, and just don't go back. Uh, this is why I've never, I've never gotten the, um, the Mace of Molag Bal, because I just yeah. refuse to, I, I will not, I will not kill a priest. But if you went to this house not knowing that quest line, you know, you have to roll back your save. That's exactly what I did. My first playthrough. And it's like, I, it's exactly at, what I did. At that point in time, it's like you know you don't aren't even given an option other than, you know, too bad, 
roll back. You know, and that's what really I think kind of sucks. Well, yeah, yeah that, but I mean, we also, I mean, with with that, yes, it does suck. But I mean, you know, is it really Bethesda's fault um, in that particular regard? Because you got to wonder, um, do they have the ability to make to make a game that's all inclusive with all all kinds of you know possible choices for every single yeah. quest? Yeah, and 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 that's a very that's a very good point. Is that just time and effort? You you don't have options for everything. But I, I think it's put into more stark relief when you look at say again the Dark Brotherhood quest where you have the out. You don't have to join the Dark Brotherhood. Um, you can instead actually this now and it becomes a gateway to destroying the Dark Brotherhood. Right. Uh, but also in um, the Nemeria uh, quest line, you instead have uh, while you can lure the priest of RK in to become lunch um, and become a cannibal yourself and get the artifact, the ring of Nymeria, you can instead uh, take the opportunity to destroy her cult. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's... The lack of a second option is, is obvious in the terms of when you can see other quest lines with similar, I do not want to do this stuff, but you then have that choice. But yeah, I I compl- I feel that your you know what you brought up is extremely an extremely valid reason. It's just simply there's a finite amount of time they have to make these games and a finite amount of resources. They can't cover everything. Right, and, and you know I'm just adding a little devil's advocacy here on on this because I mean let's face it, you know they had time to do you know three DLC packs, um, two Skyrim. You know, any one of them could have been, you know what, let's not do Hearthstone. Um, uh, Hearthfire, rather. Let's not do Hearthfire. Instead, let's mm-hmm. let's let's add in more choices for quest lines that seem popular here. And, you know, I, love that. I don't know. Obviously, yeah, no, I um, can see that. Obviously, I'm not, you know, a, a uh, uh, genre defining uh, god of the uh, of the gaming industry like like Todd Howard. And I mean that pretty much quite literally. <laughs> So, you know, all of my ideas suck. <laughs> and, I, you know, in, in Todd we trust, of course. But, um, you know, I mean, the, let's let's hope that, you know, in future installments, we, you know, what Mike is saying sort of comes out to be a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hopefully we start seeing a lot more of these, these choices um, in, in quests because, you know, there is a large spectrum here of good of good and evil and you know i would say killing a moth priest pretty evil of course but where's the good option like mike says and i would like to see something like that going forward hello yeah because i really feel like it it pushes you down an evil path from which there is no return Mm Hmm. i mean at, at least with the um the dawn guard quest line uh you do have that option Right at the, you know, set up right at the front for, um, now it's, it doesn't help that you've already joined the Dawn Guard, you save Serana, and your first response on seeing she's a vampire isn't to stake her. That I think is probably one of the weakest parts of that entire DLC is just that opening quest. But at the very least, it gives you the option of there is evil path, there is good path, and there are differences between the two. You know, you you build up each side depending on who you join. So, um, they they do some good things with it, but I, honestly, it's it's almost like it's just easier to make the evil paths evil 
then make the good paths stand out as extremely good. Yeah, right. we, we sorry, go ahead. Yeah, let's um let's actually start talking a little bit about um what uh in an RP pursuit, because I, I think we sort of answered this question of, you know, what do you consider to be, you know, to be evil? I mean, you've got your very obvious evil and good choices. And of course, there's a, a spectrum in there. Um, whatever that gray area is, maybe we can sort of answer in, in this this more important one, I think, um, which is what are your character's motivations for being evil? Um, you're in whatever. Picture yourself. Picture it. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're in your favorite um, your favorite Elder Scrolls game. Lottie Marwin fans fans out there are are, are are losing your minds right now over this. I, I would expect. So picture yourself in your favorite Elder Scrolls game. You're making a character. You want the character to be evil. Why? What's what's the motivation for your character, whatever it is, warrior, mage, thief, amalgamations of of all three. What is your motivation, your character's motivation for going out there and saying, I'm not going to save you. I'm going to kill you. Mike. Mm. So anybody who's followed our QG D&D game uh, has heard me play Telquist, who is a pure essence of chaos character. And whoa, whoa, whoa. He is? No! <laughs> <laughs> One day he's normal, oh, yes. the next day he's burning down everything. Um, mm. And so oftentimes, you know, it's just that, you know, let's look at a different aspect of what is considered normal in our society, I think, that oftentimes has me playing an evil character that, um, you know, we live in a very, you know, law abiding, uh, uh, country in, you know, for most cases, the world. And, you know, we know that our laws are what keep us, uh, you know, allow us to have, you know, these first world problems as we like to call them. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes it's nice to just be like complete chaos, you know, what would, you know, bring down society? What would, what kind of activities would be just morally comprehensible um, and just, you know, completely outside the norm. And so complete chaos, I guess, is sometimes, you know, the, the motivation that I use. Okay. So, so sort of like an, an agent of, of chaos, uh, sort of, sort of thing. Just have to connect this wound. That's kind of like how you, how you go on that one. All right. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I just want to say for our viewers as to why we're just running around, we're looking for a woman in a blue dress. Um, and that is the only clue that we have other than we have to go up to her and engage in speech and look her in the eye to see if she has a dead eye. Well, no, it's it's the one that's floating around. You think it's the one that's floating around? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you read the uh, the book, let's 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 crack open the book for a second. Um, She's got both her eyes, though. Yeah, from Skywatch, I offer she who reflects the heavens in her gaze and dress, drifting from dance to dance. You will know them by their eye. 
So I think it's that girl that's floating around uh, while while everyone's like dancing. Well, there's only one way for you to find out. Yeah, we're gonna shank that chick. By <laughs> 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 um, you mean you? Because I've already completed this quest. Yes, I just have to find her again. Um, I'm not exactly sure where she's at. Um, I know we caught her a bunch of times on the stream, but I'm not sure if she actually. Oh wait, here she is. Here she is. So let's let's uh, let's see if I can I can snag this one. But um, in any event, um, I can't. I, I have to talk to her first, right? Hello. Uh, you don't have to. No. You just gotta, you know, creep up behind her and give it to her. I've oh heard my. that before. I've heard that before somehow. Somehow, <laughs> some way. Doesn't seem like I'm able to actually get her, though. So she's probably not it, then. I mean, shouldn't I be able to use the... The Blade of Woe on her, yeah. I, yeah, I should be able to use the Blade of Woe on her anyway. Not on all characters. So if you can't use it on her, it's possible that you can't shank her. Right. Let's Let's just... Yeah, see, I could use it on this character here. Up until I so get she the... must. She's probably not the target then. Yeah, but I. I don't know. She's she's the only one that sort of seems like she could fit the bill. But is she wearing a dress? No, it's really more of like a like a pants thing. Anyway, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, Mark, what about what about you? Uh, what what are your usual your motivations, your character's motivations for for being evil? When my character's evil, um, Hello there. I, okay, there's there's two answers here. Uh, the first one is that whenever I'm playing a character and the character ends up joining the Dark Brotherhood and Thieves Guild, um, I usually it's because I'm usually playing what I see as sort of an agent of some type. Um, I, I the the class I usually build I call the troubleshooter, and the troubleshooter basically uh, is a is sort of like. They're working for. Uh, it was inspired by Daggerfall, where you're sent out by the Emperor himself to try and fix things, and that then easily carried over into Morrowind. And uh, because again, the Emperor sends is has technically sent you out, so it was easy to say that you've also been given this extra little job, right? Uh, and so on and so forth. Incidentally, I love how it takes the character in in Daggerfall twenty years to actually complete this entire thing. Well, from what I understand, it takes like, yeah, like it takes a couple of years in actual timeline before they actually finish what they're doing. But that's because in the game itself, it would generally take years in game if you really wanted to max things out. Right. Um. Anyway, though, uh, honestly, this whole troubleshooter thing even works into, um, uh into Skyrim if you basically want to pretend that the character was tr was sent by the Empire in but got caught by an unrelated patrol and, you know, they, they don't know who you are. Anyway, uh, when I'm playing this type of agent character, it becomes that uh, because his goal is, is greater than the immediate, uh, you know, the, the goal is basically the protection of the Empire, the uh, maintaining of the social fabric of Tamriel. Uh, and as a result, 
Uh, sacri- the ca- that type of character is more sacrifices must be made. I joined the Dark Brotherhood for the resources that it can provide and that type of thing. So it's, it, you know, like I, I consider the character's actions to be evil, but, you know, they are evil for what he sees as a good cause. You know, he would not necessarily define himself as evil, but uh, so that's sort of how I end up approaching it until this game. And since the Dark Brotherhood came out in the ESO, <laughs> I have become a raving psychopath. So- <laughs> He's been shiving everyone he comes across. <laughs> because it is the best way to make money in this game. Oh my god. <laughs> and I can't So stop. your motivation is... You monster! Yes, yes, no, well, yeah, basically in this game it's like, holy crap, this, this is unbelievably gory and violent. But I got a green level artifact that's worth like uh, 110 <laughs> gold pieces if I sell it at the fence. But it's so worth it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just basically become, you know, if if I can... It, yeah, I, I'm just basically spending all my time stealing thing, you know, stealing crap and shipping people. It's, it's getting kind of sad. <laughs> stop me before I kill again. <laughs> Someone stop me! <laughs> You're a monster, you know that? I wanted to be caught! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monster. I belong in here. <laughs> this is what I've been doing to people. I'm a monster. This is but, why we couldn't bring you along for this. No, no. There, yeah. You you would find out who it was by all of a sudden. Just everyone in town is dead, and it's like all of a sudden you hear, "Found her, got her." <laughs> I, so, I wasn't looking, but I found her. So, <laughs> um. Uh, so, all right, yeah. so so basically, motivations are are really kind of utilitarian, but um, very much, very right. much. It's there. There's a larger goal in mind, and these are a means to an end. Until Satan got his devilish fingers inside your soul in Elder Scrolls and, Online. Yeah, until basically <laughs> uh, Mammon showed up, and it's like, hey, you know, if you do this, <laughs> instant gratification with lots and lots of good. You know, you, you know, basically. Um, <laughs> Shiv innocent people make fat loots while doing it. Killer Mark, you'll get gold. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and here's here's the other problem. I I usually don't pickpocket because there's a chance of getting caught and it's not worth doing. However, now I'm also doing thieves guild things that get me the um, (laughs) the uh, you know the the pardons. And unfortunately, now it means that in order to get the dies involved in the pickpocketing and the fencing stuff, I'm pickpocketing people, which means I get money. And then if I if I successfully pickpocket them, I shiv them because that way I get an extra item on top of the first one. (laughs) Oh my god! So. So Mark's in it for the as money. I said, I, as I said, this game has brought out the worst in me. And it will. Oh, man, the, the Dark Brotherhood DLC definitely it's will. It's fun as anything, but it's I'm a terrible person. Oh, yeah. So, All right, so um, I'm going to just throw out there that um, since I normally play, you know, a very, uh, very goodly sort of character, um, my, my assassin's motivations are um, on the opposite end of that spectrum. They are absolutely psychotic and chaotic and the most depraved of the depraved. Um, they, they are utterly evil. So, so they decide to be um, 
evil characters simply out of the joy of of just killing and uh, killing others and bringing misery to others lives uh that's that's what my my character uh my evil characters are about so no i don't really make um it, no i don't really uh make a lot of a lot of these these sort of characters because you know it's it it gets nasty I don't make evil characters, but when I do, I go all the way. When I do, I make them. <laughs> they, they get evil. So, so that's that's basically the motivation. Um, I've I've RP'd characters before that chose to be evil based on um, they didn't they were they were slaves and their you know act of vengeance sort of sort of thing. Um, it's also why we're in the AG today because you don't want to get the taint on your two paladins. <laughs> well, uh, this character that I made, Janessa, um, is is uh, the RP behind her. Is that she is the uh, ancestor of the Janessa that you, the treasure hunter Janessa that you see in Skyrim, and um, it's her 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 sort of family line is is sort of based on this this sense of lawlessness, which sort of stems from from this character right here who is in the Thieves' Guild, is a thief. She's also um, a ruthless assassin. And, you know, based on the mistakes that she makes in her life, you know, add thousands of years of history in their family down the road, and the Janessa that you see in Skyrim is is really none of those things. She's just simply a, a thief and treasure hunter. Um, and it's it's sort of watered down that, that need for, for bloodlust. So, um... Okay, so now let's. So since you were talking about you know heredity and bloodlust, um, what about vampires and werewolves? How do you look at them in the game? I guess because they're considered evil characters throughout, you know, the development of that genre. You know, I don't play them. I don't really play them. Um, I've never, I've never seen, and it's a game mechanic sort of, sort of issue. I've never seen. Um, werewolves in or vampires in this game um, in the series handled in such a way where it, it excited me to play that. Um, so I, I just don't play them. I, I'm sort of disinterested. Uh, so I sort of defer over to to you guys on this. Um, Mark, what about you? Since Mike is asking the question, why don't, why don't you answer? Uh, well, I loved playing a, da a werewolf in Daggerfall. Uh, the added power, the ability to, when you wolfed out, it was really cool. Um, but there was also that penalty. Uh, I really enjoyed playing that. Um, and <laughs> actually, I would RP that a little bit, too. Because you could climb in these games, so I would actually have the character, uh, when he needed to hunt, run murder an innocent which you know you needed to do to keep your health from you know to start uh, to keep yourself from dying if you had lycanthropy and didn't have her scenes ring and then i would after killing the person i would run for the nearest building that was really tall climb to the top of it and basically then look to the sky as though i was howling huh. you know climb you know, climb to the top and then i'd run from rooftop to rooftop which is something I miss in other games was that ability to actually hop from roof to roof and like yeah climb up there it was you know that type of thing. But um, uh, I've never really I played vampires in um, 
in Skyrim where I wanted to go from end to uh, like to do Dawnguard from the that that version of things, which and that was fun. Um, <laughs> what's the laugh for? The Barwin just shanked somebody and got caught. Sure did. Okay, I'm gonna port to Elden Root. We're gonna move on to the next one because I don't think she spawned here. I, I thought that was her. Uh, Liz says that you you actually walked by her a while ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the girl. No, no, it's not the flying one. She's in a blue dress. She's in a blue dress. She has one eye. Usually, she's standing there. Um, she she walks back and forth between several dances. Yeah, so she's when I found her, she's been over here at this one. But I know that she walks this perimeter from the dancing tent through the food court and back. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one last quick look to see. Yeah. So I'm yeah, the worst. <laughs> so yeah, basically it was just sort of um with the vampires they're cool, but uh I've never really yeah, I've never really liked the uh the mechanic either. But I see why they're there in the game, and and we actually touched on that in our you know when we did vampires and arms and werewolves a while ago. Sure. Um, did did you just add another bounty to yourself? I definitely did. Yeah, I I looted the corpse in front of a guard and without hiding. Yeah, without hiding. I, I'm sure your uh, I'm sure your ancestor your descendant will uh, will pick up these tricks and be better. Uh, I'm sure at some point. You know, it might be it might be this female orc here. Now that I'm, I'm just gonna, uh, Liz, I'm just do you want me to Liz Liz has the name here. Do you want me to just tell it to you? Yeah, I guess. Go right ahead. Simaril. C I M A L I R E. It's a she's a high elf. Oh, in a blue dress. Okay, high elf in a blue. Oh, dress. that's a good thing. We won't feel as bad. Yeah, yeah. Wolf will feel great. Um, so yeah, basically the uh, yeah we've talked about the, the vampires before and just how um, you know like it just adds more to the game. It gives various options i'm sure there are people who play good tortured vampires and you know like are rping their vampires as you know they're they're tortured they're forced to to be to do it and they don't want to be undead and you know that's that's a good that's a that's a classic uh you know type of uh character type to play right um then just the same there are likely there, there's an entire there are entire role playing games dedicated to play a vampire and dedicating to play dedicated to playing a werewolf, uh, and usually the whole thing is the character struggling with the monster that they are, at least in part. So, uh, yeah, I mean this whole being evil, uh, you know, playing these types of characters. Um, playing evil characters and these monsters supplementing that they help it but it's not a guarantee that your character is evil all right so so mark real quick before we move into the scenarist archives um you know your question directed back at you what what do you think werewolves vampires evil so the 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 werewolf aspect i look at with uh, certain cultures here that venerate here seem like uh, certain subsets of the Bosmer. 
So, like, this character here is actually a werewolf and has been since I was able to make him a werewolf um, just for that reason, that it's part of his culture. Um, none of my other characters are a werewolf. None of them have ever gotten the, uh, the vampiric plague. Um, those, I really have a trouble with the Skywatch uh, um, or uh, the uh, Rivenspire uh, quest line because of that that uh, you have to, you know, uh, actually side with the vampire instead of, you know, slaughtering every one of them that moves. Uh, so, you know, I guess it, it depends on how it's looked at culturally, I guess. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I've, oh, I've, I've managed to find my quarry here. Uh, she, she's right here. Uh, we're going to... Do something with this girl that's probably not going to be nice to the longevity of her life. And uh, <laughs> as we do even that, if she is an elf, uh, right? And we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump into uh, the Sonaris archives, um, where we sort of examine um, being evil all throughout uh, all throughout the throughout the Elder Scrolls. Uh, so with that, hi, uh, Mark. Okay. Well, you know uh, the elf. <laughs> You see, there are, there are multiple ways. We've talked about the Dark Brotherhood, of course. Um, the desire to kill, whether for money or fun, um, <laughs> in, in order to turn fun into money, and I guess in some cases. Um, the thieves... Uh, and so, you know, that is, that's the classic, I want to be a dark, evil character. As we talked about when we discussed assassins, people have fun playing assassins. It's just one of these... Just one of these characters that are considered classics that people love to come back to. Um, and at the same time, then you have, uh, well, while Morrowind doesn't have the Dark Brotherhood as a joinable group, the Morag Tong is there, even though they're presented as more of um, a, a legal utilitarian type of thing. If I were to go to Dungeons and Dragons terminology, they'd be considered more um, lawful evil possibly lawful neutral because you know you aren't just paying money you you have to basically get this murder approved by an outside you know by the temple well is it the temple anyway yeah you need to get this murder approved so and it that approval has legal weight you know you're not a, a dark outlaw you're actually poor you're actually a cog in the justice system of the province so but that's still you know, you can still make the argument that's still evil. Uh, it's just one's more for money, one's technically a bit more for justice. Uh, or at least law. Uh, we've got the Thieves' Guild. And the Thieves' Guild itself isn't necessarily... is It's rarely presented as a monstrous organization the way that the Dark Brotherhood is. Um, I... I Side note, one thing I've noticed as we've gone over things is that the Thieves' Guild is presented as, a, you know, your comrades and your, you know, your comrades and you're trying to achieve these heists and do things like that. Whereas the Dark Brotherhood is always present, has been presented in Oblivion, Morrowind, and here, uh, sorry, Oblivion, Skyrim, and here as very tight-knit families, very tight-knit family groups. Um, which is interesting, I find, that you're supposed to be the most, you know, you are the lowest of the low, uh, the most evil of the evil, 
but then when you look at the pe- that the group that surrounds you, uh, when you compare them to every other uh, guild that you can join in the game, it's also the closest and the one that it, it, that the characters seem most like a family to each other. And like, yes, the term brother and sister is there, but the characters, especially in this game, especially here in ESO, there really is a a strong family dynamic. So it's it, sorry, that's just a side note, but it's interesting to see how, even though they are presenting this as a very dark and violent uh, guild to be a part of, they are attempting to bring in at least something somewhat humanizing to the people that you involve yourself with so that they're yeah. a bit more relatable. I actually noticed that, and you know what? I don't know if I really like that very much. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting one. choice. Mm-hmm. I see. I, I think it... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just... Uh, I, I was telling yeah. Mike, I, I see I see her. Yeah. I think it makes for a more interesting story when the characters are... Uh, you know, when, when the character... Uh, when you can relate to them and they're not just pure monsters but yeah it, it's it's still an interesting thing for them to have done uh anyway um continuing on like the the thieves the thieves guild is, allows you uh, to do a little less violent law breaking but you're still breaking the law um and then when we get into other things like the vampires the Elder Scrolls has spent so much time detailing their vampire societies. It's not funny. I mean, like, there were entire clans in Daggerfall. There were different families and bloodlines in Morrowind. Uh, less so in uh, in Cyrodiil, in uh, Oblivion. But then, of course, there's yet another massive uh, family and uh, quest line in Skyrim. So... You know, like, and it, again, even those are presented as very dark things. If you join those groups you are and do quests for them, you are going to be doing dark, evil things. Speaking of speaking of dark and evil things, I, I finally found that uh, girl, stabbed her right in the back, and uh, because of the enchantment on my weapon, <laughs> it reduced her to ashes. <laughs> well, no, that's part of the litany of blood, she, her spirit flees her body, leaving a pile of red ashes behind. Oh, really? That's actually that's how you know you found the right one. Mm. That that's the signal that you you got the right you you got your target. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so I'm gonna bring us to Elden Hollow next. Go ahead, you you go and I'll because uh, I've got a bounty on me now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, other than that, and then of course we have werewolves uh, in Daggerfall and Morrowind. If you were a werewolf, you were going to kill innocent people. There was no bones about it. It was a requirement. Uh, in Daggerfall, you had to do it, I think, once a week. An innocent had to die by your hands. Right. Otherwise, uh, your hit points would be reduced down to what? Like, what? One? One hit point? Maximum maximum of four. I discovered this <sighs> when oh, I was God. in a dungeon and a rat kept killing me. <laughs> This, this yeah, is but that I, rat kept killing me in the dungeon, and I had all my hit points, all four of them, and I yes, wasn't a werewolf. I was a much higher level character. <laughs> and, and you just suck at that game. 
Oh, come on. Yeah, well, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. It just requires a little a little It it, it a little takes patience. some patience and some time. Yeah. That's yeah, without question. But yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, in those ga- like in in Daggerfall, that's why you wanted the Ring of Her scene. It meant that you didn't get forcibly transformed for the 3 days of the full moon and you didn't need to kill. So, from an RP perspective as well, finding that ring Getting that artifact was unbelievably important, especially since curing yourself required you to damn another person to lycanthropy. Um, Good lord. Meanwhile, in Morrowind, every single night you had to change. You just—it was an automatic thing. Sun went down, you transformed, and you had to kill every single night. Otherwise, you took a crap ton of damage when it was time to turn back. And of course, if you didn't have the hit points to take it, you died. Oh. So both of those games made, if you are a, it made it a curse. It They had bonus benefits, but it was very much, if you are infected, you have to deal with a very dark thing until you find a way to, to free yourself. Which is why I was disappointed with Skyrim, where it was just like, oh, you're doing the Fighter's Guild? Ah, or, well, the Companions. Okay, uh, by the way, you're a werewolf now. Right, it, it just sort of handled it from, like, a race change perspective. That was really all it was. Yeah, it, it was really, considering how well it was done in previous games, it really did feel very pointless. It, it really didn't, it, it didn't have the, like, the lycanthropy itself didn't have the weight that it should. Though it included a pack. Which, that is one of those things that I've wanted to see involved in lycanthropy from the very beginning, from Daggerfall, is the ability to join a werewolf pack. Um, I would have liked to see them do more with that aspect, but it was there this time. Um, so, why am I bringing all this up? Well, we've, of course, been talking about playing as evil characters and how the game allows you to do so. But... Now that we've established that you're able to, and you have a lot of options to supplement that delving into the darker sides of your psyche and playing that dark, brooding, tragic character that just is begging to come out. How does the main quests and the other quest lines of the series complement that? And looking at it, I kind of think the answer is it doesn't. Um, if if you think about the different quest lines, uh, the main quests, the only main quest I can think of where your character can choose to do something that you could consider evil, like directly evil, is actually jo- is murdering Vivek in um, in Morrowind. Now, at the same time, that breaks the quest line unless you use a special, you know, secret backdoor series of events that you can do. Um, but still, you know, you can you can destroy, you know, you that is the only time your your character can go, you know what, I'm not going to be the goody goody here. I'm going to be a monster and, you know, destroy the world or or, or doom everything or just approach thing from an evil perspective there yeah, really but I isn't mean, even in Morrowind you were able to you know kill NPCs however way you wanted to exactly but they then stopped that 
Right. So it's you know I and I understand why they did because it was annoying that you kill an NPC and all of a sudden the game gives you the warning that you just broke the entire game reload. Well, yeah, I think it came to a head in Oblivion as well, where <clears throat> because of the radiant AI. Yeah. Um, well, radiant. That was why they they designed things with the uh, the uh, they first implemented unkillable NPCs. Right. For for certain characters. But, uh, yeah, like, I think that's where it showed up. I might be wrong. What's that, in Oblivion? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I do know it, it exists in, in Skyrim, of course. Yeah. So, but yeah, it basically, it's sort of, when you look at it, none of the other games see, well, you're allowed to explore your dark side, but they don't seem to integrate it then into the options in the main plot. Like, um, for example, in uh, in Skyrim, you you have to go to the um, you have to go to visit you know to the party at the Altmer uh, Embassy, in the Thalmor Embassy, and that I think it, it, it as it is the quest looks works pretty well. It's it's a cool quest, but it would also be pretty cool if if you chose. You could just break in and go murder the ambassador in her sleep. You know, if you were going to be that type of evil character. Um, or a hero, depending on how what your point of view is. Uh, but it's it's that type... Like, the, the quests very much sort of present a more heroic side of your character. Uh, in both how you approach and what and what the results are. Uh, I can't really recall many of the main quests having you demand money or giving you the option to demand money at the, en- uh, at the end of them before anything else. Uh, in Sky- like in Skyrim, maybe in Oblivion or Morrowind, you, you have that ability to at least play someone who's a bit more money-grubbing. But even then, like the main quest lines always seem to focus on the hero. And at the same time... I think that works. I think that as a series, the events that are going on need heroes to fix it. And anti-heroes can help, but in the end, they do have to be doing this because, like, whether you're doing it for self-interest or for other reasons, there's got to be at least something that gets you going. It's just the game, I guess it comes down to... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, you have to... I mean, for for example, like you can be as evil as the day is long, but ultimately, um, you are you are the dragonborn, and you're going to save the world, or you're just going to choose to ignore to do that quest line. It's going to be one or the other. Hmm. So so yeah, I mean, you, you know, ultimately, no matter how evil you get, um, you are going to have to find that that heroic resolution to finish the main quest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, while so yeah, sort of while you're able to play evil, there's a limit that the game, like how much they're able to really implement that. And in the end, I think it, it while it'd be nice to maybe see some darker paths come to to saving the world, I think it's it, yeah, it does come down to your heroes. Heroes save the world, and frankly, adding anything else would just be time and money for something that I don't think as many people would use. Right. 
Well, let's yeah. hope that uh, that ten year long hiatus we've got until Elder Scrolls Six <laughs> finds yeah. technology that'll allow something like that. Well, let's also. I'm sure that whatever they come up with uh, in the meantime, whatever this new these new properties they want to work on are, we'll see something you know Elder Scrolls worthy. <laughs> so, all right, uh, yeah. So that's that's basically uh, that's basically me. Uh, nothing like ending it all on a on a low note there with um, my my character hurling herself off of a off of a route in Grotwood, trying to make a ramp and missing it by mere inches and landing on the ground in the water and dying. <laughs> 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 all right, um, so I regret nothing. <laughs> everything. <laughs> The Sonaris has spoken. Uh, that is that is evil throughout the series in Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, let's let's cut to a little bit of the history in game and lore with the history of with Mike. Okay, so uh, right now I'll read the passage we're on right now. Pray to the Dread Father, those born to anew. From Elden Root, I offer He who is as aged and gnarled as the trees his back bowed but not bent you will know them by their eye so that's what we're looking for right now i think i'm in the right place for him i don't think he's here because there's been a number of dark brotherhood people coming in and out of this building uh so now we have talked quite extensively uh about the different books that we have seen in the past games and how they work with the current game uh, but I went in today and was looking around what new stuff has ESO brought to the lore of the Dark Brotherhood. And so the first book I found was called The Black Hand by Gion Alini, Chronicler at Large. My in-depth investigation of the clandestine organization known only as the Dark Brotherhood has been a long and difficult process. But after years of research, countless interviews, and no small amount of good luck, I've finally been able to put together a profile of the assassin cult's ruling body, the notorious Black Hand. While much of what follows has been argumented by theory and conjecture, the basis upon which I constructed the profile is undeniably factual and true. So that group of individuals is strong enough to command the assassins of the Dark Brotherhood, a group called the Black Hand. Like any hand, the group consists of five members, four fingers and a thumb, as it were. The members corresponding to the fingers are called the speakers, while the member representing the thumb is called the listener. These are titles and ranks, and as ridiculous as they may sound to anyone not steeped in the lore of the cult, the assassin takes these terms very seriously. Now I need to explain an even stranger concept. It will sound unbelievable, and it may very well be nothing but a legend, used to keep the lesser assassins in line. But from everything I've been able to uncover, the cult holds fast to this concept. They claim that a near-deophytic figure, known as either the Shadow Matriarch, the Dark Woman, or the Night Mother, leads the Dark Brotherhood. Apparently, no one ever sees this Dark Woman. Instead, she whispers her commands to the listener, who then selects one of the speakers to pass the command along. And yes, most of the commands relate to murder. What does the listener hear? Details, as you can imagine, are sketchy. 
But an educated guess allows us to assume that the dark woman provides either the name of the client or the target that has been named for the kill. The listener passes this information on to one of the speakers, who then either personally selects an assassin to carry out the deed or provides the information to a minor functionary to assign the contract. Now, as far as I can tell, the assassins don't all gather in one place. Instead, the cult divides its members into small, self-sufficient units known as either havens, sanctuaries, shelters, or assassin ports. Again, details on these topics are often fluid and even contradictory, but I have done my best to make sense of the sense of stillness within the noise. The leader of these havens, which seems to be established in specific geographic locations as to spread the assassin's reach far and wide, is either called a dame or a matron, although one source referred to her as a widow. But the other names were much more common in my research. The speaker can pass along orders to these subordinates and have her select an assassin best suited to carry out the deed. Finally, I was able to ascertain that each speaker commands a personal assassin for truly special missions. I can only assume, I am not sure, if these personal assassins are considered wrists or knuckles or some other body part, but I did learn they that they are possibly granted the title of quieter, or maybe husher, or even silencer. Something menacing and ridiculous like that. These are supposed to be the best of the best, master killers without peers. Whether they constitute a member of the Black Hand or not, I was never able to determine, nor did I come across information concerning how they received their orders. The Dark Brotherhood, the Black Hand, the melodramatic names for a demented cult of killers, but they are killers all the same. So that's one of the first books that we come across now uh, that has been added to the lore. So I think that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I, you know, hey. I, I like hey, the... Hey, baby. Oh, go ahead. Well, and what's, that? what's that, Mark? <laughs> hey, baby, want to come by see my assassin's port? <laughs> 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 Sorry, continue. Ignore me. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a joke in there about, you know, the five fingers of the hand somewhere. I don't know where it is, though. <laughs> Um, very, I, I like how, I like how it sort of describes the, um, reason why the Dark Brotherhood has the hand as its symbol. You know, you've got the, the four workers plus the, um, the, the listener as part of a unit. It, it, it's, that caught my ear and, um. I found it uh, very, very interesting. I found it fascinating. Yeah, I, I liked how uh, we had oh, so many. They've been busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come out of the, the, the little place that uh, I was standing there reading, and there's all these corpses all over the place. <laughs> so I stabbed a dude, and that didn't work out. So I had to kill a bunch of other people. <laughs> it, it, it's, like, it's like eating potato chips. You can't have just one. <laughs> just can't. Ladies' potato chips. Yeah, it... <sighs> very true. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, Mike, what? What? Uh, please continue. I mean, show us, show us some more uh, historical reference here on on uh, being bad, being so good at being bad. <laughs> so uh, the next book, which is also a new book, is called *The Glint of Night* by Maxa Korand, dealer in rare antiquities. 
Of all the tools available to an assassin, one weapon truly stands out as unique to the brothers and sisters of the Dark Brotherhood. Known as the Blade of Woe, and obliquely as the Night Mother's Kiss, the otherwise simple dagger is a symbol of their order, an icon of their Dark Patron. The dagger, named for the apocryphal blade wielded by the Night Mother when she supposedly sacrificed her own children, is made available to the devotee of the Dark Brotherhood to carry out their grisly work. I have heard conflicting reports that the entire Brotherhood somehow shares a single blade and that each individual weapon is crafted upon the pattern of the original. I assume the later is closer to the truth than the former, but the legend persists. The Blade of Woe, sacred to the Dark Brotherhood's patron deity, the Dreadfather Sithis, supposedly contains a special power to send the souls of those it kills directly to the Void. My own studies of similar artifacts have found no evidence of such magicka. It's possible only a follower of Sithis can invoke these alleged properties, but I find it more likely that the blade simply holds special religious significance to its wielder. But no practical application in these regards, and since the victims of the Dark Brotherhood meet their ends in every way imaginable, including by poison and sabotage, they must believe at least that every death they inflict somehow finds its way to Sithis. Given the secretive nature of the Dark Brotherhood, acquiring information is all but impossible, and research on the subject is supposed suspect at best, and extremely hard to come by. I hope that by bringing this topic out into the open, other diligent scholars will investigate these mysterious killers and help to remove their shroud of mystery that surrounds their beliefs and act. Intentionally cut off here. So that answers a question we had earlier as to, you know, why everybody gets the Blade of Woe. Yeah, no, that's that's a really cool addition to the lore. Really like that. Yeah. Because uh, when we first were talking, it was like, you know, there should only be one Blade of Woe. You were given it, you know, in Oblivion, uh, upon joining. You were given one the one in Skyrim, which looked different. And everybody was like, oh, you know, there were mods that were produced to make the Blade of Woe look like the Oblivion Blade of Woe. Uh, all kinds of things. Well, now this actually helps a little bit, I think retcon the entire lore of the uh, why the Blade of Woe looks different between the two games and why every player gets one here. Yeah. Um, you know, you could also uh, sort of parallel with that um, with the skeleton key as well. You know, every single time they make a skeleton key in, in Elder Scrolls, it looks completely different than the installation, uh, than the installment in the uh, the game before. Um, you know, there's there's different you know lore reasons as to why that's that's the case too. So it's good that they've got something like that for the Blade of Woe as well. It's uh, it kind of cleans up the the lore a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it it also makes sense because um, you can't see them handing over an extremely important art, uh, artifact to the you know like okay we, you're gonna go kill your first target to show that you're worthy of joining us. Here's the blade wielded by <laughs> wielded by the uh, the woman that founded our order and the act that founded our order. Go, go kill a guy in an inn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at you least know, in Skyrim, it's the last act that happens that you get the blade of woe from. Well, yeah, from but, Ash. And, but and yeah, but you also get it after you've already uh, kill, you know, proven that you want to join the Brotherhood too. Whereas you know in uh, you know, in Oblivion, it's, okay, we want you to join. Here's the Blade of Woe, six months later. Have we gotten the Blade of Woe yet? 
Uh, go, have we gotten that back yet? No. Has he killed the target? Uh, no. <laughs> Should we do something to get that back? Uh, let's give him a couple more years. Uh, no. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> there, there's no other assassins they're trying to initiate in, in all that time. No. No, no not nope. at all. Nobody. So yeah. what else you got, Mike? So then, as we've been talking about um, some changes that we saw and, you know, my feelings on the fact of how they presented Anvil, uh, one of the biggest changes anybody who's walked through the area has noticed is the Colovian heartlands and highlands, there's really no defining feature that separates them when you play the game Oblivion. Well, here in ESO, you come upon a wall, and it's called Varen's Wall. And so there's a book about why there's Varen's Wall. Uh, so Midras Selviticus, Historian University of Wellam, hastily constructed during the early stages of Varen Aquilaria's rebellion against the last Longhouse Emperor, the structure known as Varen's Wall separates the Gold Coast from the Colovian Highlands. Allow me to elucidate the wall and its importance to the region. The rebellion and the ongoing strife personified by the Three Banners War. Shortly after the start of Varen's rebellion, Aquilarios ordered his followers to begin construction of a wall to protect Kavach and the rest of the Gold Coast from retaliation by the Longhouse Emperor and his troops. Aquilarios determined to make to take the battle to the heart of the Empire, didn't want to leave his home an original seat of power open to retribution by his enemies in his absence. He enlisted the famed engineer Jaros Truptor to design and oversee the project, ordering him to build a strong, tall defense in record time. With a cadre of paid workers and an ever-growing army of eager volunteers, Jaros set about the task at hand, deciding the speed and solid construction were more important than any aesthetic values. Jaros designed a relatively simple plan that allowed for the use of whatever building material his workers were able to scavenge from the surrounding countryside. Natural rock and stone, pieces of ruined structure, purchased building supplies, even parts scavenged from the estates dotting the countryside, were all gathered for use in raising Baron's wall. Jaros designed by the wall itself was simple, utilitarian, and not anywhere near as visually appealing as the other project he is known for. The wall was a mix of rough-hewn stone, mismatched rocks, blocks commandeered from the estates of willing and unwilling donors, and even the natural contour of the land itself. Towers rose from the wall in a more or less regular pattern, breaking up the expanse of stone and providing locations for guards, watchmen, and even garrisons of soldiers to congregate along. Due to Varen's popularity among the common folks of Kavach and Anvil counties, Jaros was able to form a volunteer work crew that provided him with more than enough workers to keep construction going day and night. But popularity alone doesn't, didn't inspire the people to donate their time and effort. It was Varen's words and the deeds he accomplished that. He convinced the people that his rebellion was not only just, it was necessary was necessary to stop the Daedra-worshipping Emperor Lovik. In addition, he rallied the people to help defend themselves and their land, and within a year, Varen's Wall stretched from the shore of the Abakian Sea, winding its way through the countryside southwest of the Colovian Highlands, 
eventually terminating, terminating at the Strid River. And as important as Varen's Wall was for protecting the region during Varen's Rebellion, it has played an even greater role since the fall of the Empire and the start of the Three Banners War. As the War of Cyrodiil rages on, Varen's Wall has protected the counties of Kavach and Anvil from the worst fallout of the ongoing battles taking place at what was once the heart of the Shattered Empire. It has created a kind of safe harbor in which the people of the Gold Coast have thrived. In some ways, it has become a sort of political experiment to see whether the law and order typified by Kavach and the Cathedral of Akatosh, or the more chaotic nature of Anvil and its collection of pirates and smugglers will win out in the ultimate power of the area. So that was Varen's Wall. I love how the wall itself looks very much like Hadrian's Wall in England. Like, just, I love the, the very rough, quick design of it. And Keep the Scots out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which, again, considering that, you know, uh, considering that um, we know that the Empire is very much patterned after sort of uh, the Empire of Rome and certain, and, you know, like how things are presented in their culture. You know, like, you know, the, in uh, a number of things, basically, they're taking very Roman influences i i love that when they decided to build that wall they then just went with that as well yeah it's very cool yeah and uh it, it'll be interesting because there's two gates uh that are there so it'll be interesting to see when they open those gates as to where they're going into the clovian heartlands as to um yeah you now we know that skin god county is in that area uh, but also, what is the North Gate going to lead to? Is it going to lead, you know, because um, in um, Oblivion, it would lead in the, the regular direction of um, of Coral, but Coral's in uh, Cyrodiil proper in this game. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's going to lead to that area. So we'll see. Yeah, no, it'll be cool. But yeah. All right, Mike. So what else? I hit the wrong button, and now I'm killing people. <laughs> <laughs> Mike well, made a I mistake. I will go stand here people... in the corner. <laughs> gotcha. Mike made a mistake, so people have to die. People have to is, die now. This is pretty much what this entire episode is about, <laughs> isn't it? <sighs> yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think that's kind of where we're at with it. Yeah. <laughs> Mistakes were made. People had to die. People had to die. <laughs> yada, um, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I'm ready for the cops. <laughs> there, I mean, there's your, and there's your own, you know, choice of, choice of evil right there. I mean, do you, do you stand and fight or do you, do you run? And, um, yeah. you know, I think it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and a mistake like that, was it a mistake or, you know, right. was it, you know, if I slaughtered the rest of the room, then it would definitely be an act of evil, but. And quote a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong button got pushed. The um, world got blown up. So, uh, Mike, as far as the uh, the books are concerned for for today, uh, do you have any do you have any others that you wanted to present? Uh, we can read through the litany if you'd like. Um, you know, to give people an idea of how it goes. But uh, beyond that, that is what I have. Um, and with the litany, it's kind of I think it's kind of cool because. It's not like the rest of the quests here in ESO. 
literally, you have to go find this person based on clues. Yeah. And um, right. The the only thing the litany is very long and pretty repetitive, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got the book right here, um, the litany of blood, and it's. Uh, I mean, this is this is ba- this is it. Right here. Yeah, there's four, 15 verses. Each of them are, you know, pray to the dread father, those born of a new. And then it gives you your clue. And it ends each verse with, you will know them by their eye. And so, you know, I think it's a, a really cool quest line, a really cool mechanic because of the fact that it's not go find a dot over somebody's head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this literally to do all 15 of them took me four days. Yeah. Without cheats, and and I mean, you could see as I've been playing, like how long it's it's taking me to. I mean, you know, my to say that half my brain is in the game right now is is probably an over gross overstatement. I, I'd say probably about a you know an eighth of it is in the brain is uh, is in the game right now, trying to figure any of this stuff out. Um, but yeah. even if it were fully dedicated, I mean, you've got to see that it's uh, it definitely is kind of the it's a. Uh, it's a hunt for sure. And it feels that way. And it feels great. I really, um, if I weren't doing the show, I think I'd probably be enjoying myself a lot more with this quest. Um, but you know, a lot more dead bodies all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we've created another monster. (laughs) Oh dude, I'm telling you like, this is why I love dark brotherhood. Um, this is, this really is an awesome DLC. Oh, it's very different from everything else. Yeah, as small as it is, and, and the Gold Coast is very tiny. Um, it does add a lot of just really great gameplay elements that I'm, I'm hoping to see mature as as the game matures itself. Um, so I, it's you know, highly highly recommend it. Um, and it's kind of cool because we're in the. They've already announced the next uh, DLC, and it's going to be a dungeon pack and one of the dungeons is a shadow scale dungeon uh that that you know tacks on to the the dark brotherhood so we're going to see the shadow scales and we're going to see a storyline associated with them so it's kind of cool that you know the potential of building now that we have the thieves guild and the dark brotherhood to continue building storylines off of those uh whether they be dungeons or other parts in other zones or more quests you know, this game is just keeps growing and growing and growing. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, talk that there's at least five years of stuff already planned out. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, nope. no, definitely not. Yeah. But no, I, I, I love uh, these these hunt quests that they've begun to put in. Uh, the first one was in Rothgar where it's find the uh, the artifacts of Orsinium. You know, then the Thieves Guild was find all these very, uh, very you know, special and unique objects that to pretty up the, uh, up the guild hall. And now of course it's find all these people on the, uh, on the, uh, divinely created assassination list. So no, I, I love these, uh, these, uh, scavenger hunt things that they've started to put in. Great stuff. I mean, if you want to see yeah. what these look like, I put a tweet out just before the show that said life goals, silencer and speaker. And, uh, if you look in the background, you see all of the red shadows that are the uh, uh, the bodies of the the victims from uh, earlier. <laughs> now, now, what what tweet is that? Is that from your account? Uh, it was from my account, and then I tagged it in with ESOTR 
Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, Varwin, I'll if you retweet. actually you you'll be able to see it. You've you've killed at least one of these targets. Uh, yeah. Go yeah. Back, yeah. If you go back to go the back. Uh, yeah, go back to the Dark Brotherhood. Uh, you can see for yourself. All right. Well, um, look, we traveling to end to the Gold Coast now. We, we've got we've got a lot more um, of show to to cover, and uh, you know, the game itself is not important right now. Um, let's uh, let's move into our fast question of the week, folks. Okay, now in regards to freedom of moral choice in ESO, are we happy with the options the game affords us at this point? We'll elaborate in a moment, but uh, let's. It's a yes or no question. Let's start with uh, let's start with Mark. Ooh, um, I'm going to go with yes. All right, Mike. No. Okay. Um yeah, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to echo with with um uh Mike on that one. Um Mark, why are you happy with uh, regards to freedom of moral choice in ESO? Why are you happy with as it stands right now in ESO? Uh I find that in ESO for for what it is and being a, a um multiplayer game, this stu- I'm I'm assuming these you know the the limitations that this is going to put on it to begin yeah, with. Yeah. But um, like in other games, it you know you a lot of the quests are pretty straightforward and don't add a lot of back and forth as to I want to be an evil bastard this time. Uh, you know I that type of thing. Um, and at the same time, uh, when it does t- come time to make what could be what the game tells you is a uh, a solid choice. Once it is made, your character cannot go back and change this. Um, when it is a moral thing, it's not a clear cut. It, it's not always a clear cut thing. It's not just like this guy has been murdering children. Do you wish to let him go free, or do you wish to kill him? It you know, like something very simple like that. It's usually something uh, a, a situation that's a lot more complicated, like. You can save this character that you've come to grow and love over the last several zones, or you can let him die. And or, but if you save him, this artifact that can destroy your entire alliance will be free. Or you can let him die, but it will destroy the the object as well. Like the the choices that you have are much, uh, they feel deeper. But it's an they island feel- of orcs. There's no there's no choice. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's that type of it's those types of things that I feel make for the better choices. But then they've given us uh, with the with the different DLCs, the ability to go in and play the the darker aspects that the other games also contain. If I want to play a werewolf, I can play a werewolf. If I, uh, if I want to play a vampire, same thing. And now I can play an assassin and a thief and really sort of get a bit more into the meat of that. Again, there I, there's room for improvement, but considering that this is an MMO and that is going to have constraints that a single-player game can't, I think they've done a fantastic job. Okay. Um, so far, uh, Mark, go ahead. You mean Mike? Yeah, Mike. I'm sorry. Mike, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the, the reason I say no is that right now, when you count up the number of Daedric Princes that are involved in, in major quest storylines you really start coming up short. 
Um, so you've got Molag Ball, obviously, because of the main quest line. Uh, but you're there to try and stop him. And, and I understand, you know, you're not going to, to side with him if, you know, if he's the main protagonist, like you would in Skyrim, you know, to get the Mesa Molag Ball. You have Shirgorath, who's involved in the Mage's College. Uh, and then we have uh, the storyline in Stonefalls with um, um, Boethia. But really, I mean, the, the number of major storylines really seems to be coming up short. And, and so there's a lot of moral ambiguity that, um, that those, those kind of interactions bring. And right now, each time, it has been a very high ground type of interaction. You know, defeat... Um, uh, which one is it with Quagmire there? Uh, to save King Emmerich. You know, and it's just like, okay, you know, what about ever, you know, being able to side with the, the Daedric Princes uh, that uh, you get in Skyrim and Oblivion to, uh, to, get, to, grant, to grant favor? So that's why I say no. Is I think that we're going to see a lot more things. We haven't really seen Nocturnal yet, uh, and things associated with her. So I think that there's more to come that's going to really make us start questioning, you know, this game as a good character, uh, the way that currently it's it's presented. Right. You know what? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna defer my opinion to uh, to both of you guys. Um, I think both uh, both of you guys really uh, were able to speak from from different um, different point of view, different ends of the spectrum, and it's very balanced. Uh, so we'll, I'm going to leave it at that and, and defer my opinion to you guys. Um, so I I generally agree with everything you guys said. Um, however, Wait, what I will do a tie a tie. Do we have to fight to the death? <laughs> Uh, it's to break a break a broomstick over my uh, over my knee and just throw it at you guys. <laughs> We're gonna have tryouts. Oh no, Kirk and Spock are fighting. Oh, it's heartbreaking. No, I can't even watch. I don't want anyone to win. I just want it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What I am gonna do though is um, I'm gonna present uh, the uh, the email for today which comes from um, Sean Patrick Havern, who says, Hey, guys, uh, please add me to your email list, which we have, uh, Sean, so thank you. Um, also, he goes on and says, I love your show and have not been able to watch it live, but would definitely like to. You guys got me back into ESO after a year-long absence, though I particularly love Classic, especially the episode on the Crusader class. Thanks for all your hard work and a great show. P.S. Please do a Tower Lore episode on Classic. (laughs) (laughs) The bad lore that is the Towers theory has spread so far it needs to be stopped. Please, Elder Scrolls off the record, you're my only hope. Oh, oh, I don't know if I'm strong enough for that. Sean Patrick Havern. So, so Sean, <laughs> um, this uh, email, uh, short, sweet, to the point, and, and uh, 
is is amazing in, in every aspect. Um, first of all, again, let me just plug it one more time. Um, if you uh, would like to join our email list, uh, it's Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com. Just say, hey, just add me, uh, no problem. And what's going to happen is uh, every every week or so, we're going to give you an update on what we're doing with the show. And uh, I'm going to send you guys personally the uh, the show itself. And again, it's for it's it works great for people who don't have Twitter, don't have Facebook, uh, not not really into the social media, don't check our website often, um, don't don't really go to YouTube. And you know, there's many of you out there, so this works kind of this this works very well. Um, and our first week in doing it has been has been extremely successful. So, uh, so and there's you, that. You- you know what? I, I would be willing to do a Tower Lore episode, but I think that's going to take a lot of uh, prep time and psyching up because, oh, that one's going to be complicated. Yeah, so I wanted to sort of ask you guys, I mean, what what do you think about this idea of a Tower Lore episode? I mean, do you think that, um, you think you guys would be interested in doing that? I mean, uh, you know, Sean here is is sort of saying like, look, I mean, you know, you guys are the only ones out there that are sort of able to take this tower lore and just sort of uh, stuff it in the closet where it sort of belongs. Um, and whether that, that may or may not actually be the truth, uh, I mean, we are sort of being called upon here to to sort of, um, you know, shine a light on whatever this, this tower lore is or is not for fans out there. To quote Liz, it's our job. <laughs> it's our job. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Add it to the list. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, I yeah, mean, is we'll this like a is this a one episode thing? Is this? I mean, what oh, kind yeah, of? It would be only one episode, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it goes into a lot of like, yeah, what has happened in other games, and yeah, what is it's believed to be to to give a. A way of them trying to make a uh, like a, uh, a prophecy, yeah, is the best way to put what tower lore is. It's the fulfillment of prophecy that was generated in the game, yeah, by the moving of goalposts. Uh, <laughs> now, what sort? Of... <laughs> okay. Uh, now, what sort of uh, what, which game do you think would be best to? Um, uh, to do this in, I, I mean, it's classic. We play, we play the game. I, I would say more. Well, Morrowind is where it really becomes a thing. Um, but really, the tower that is in that is, I think, pretty, um, very weak. Like supposedly, every single game has one tower, um, or refers to a tower in some way, shape, or form because it's in each one, each province is supposed province is supposed to have one. But it's, you know what, if we're trying to, if we want to point to a tower, uh, I think Oblivion or Morrowind are probably our two best. All right. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, especially since Skyrim, you have to be really far in the quest line for us to be able to talk about it. Uh, what yeah. tower even exists in Skyrim? I mean, well, you'll have to stay for that episode to find out. I mean, is this uh, like a, like a, like a fragment of the imagination? <laughs> No. The imagination. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it the again tower and... lore. It's kind of nonsensical, yeah. And metaphysical. Yeah, right. I remember there there being some sort of discussion about you know um, 
dark elves and being on the moon and no that that's a completely different aspect but not tower lore right not tower lore but still Kirkbridean. yeah yeah it's yeah, not quite much. as as strange as that I would say okay well um there there it is I suppose uh Sean so um if you're if you're uh so so we'll we'll be on on the lookout for for this sort of thing um to to produce this sort of thing uh quite eventually or, or soon hopefully sooner rather later but <clears throat> we'll we'll get our we'll get our our grubby little fingers into this sure enough okay um that's it guys that's the end of our show yeah what do you think about that that's it's hard to think to believe we we've actually finished off everything but the mages guild as its own things and and this one was uh it's hard to believe we're done the dark brotherhood already i know right or it's, have we yeah or dum 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 dun, dun, dun. <laughs> now is this the one i'm supposed to kill here i don't i don't know I'm not sure It'd be pretty hard to... I don't think so. I don't think that's her. Anyway. One may never know. Um, all right, folks. Well, that's the end of our show. Uh, thank you so much for listening, downloading. And uh, please, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on uh, on YouTube. That would that would be really... It really helps us out quite a bit. And uh, check out our sponsors. Uh, TweakedAudio.com. They'll send you some free... Uh, they'll send you free earbuds. <laughs> they'll send you earbuds... Uh, free of charge. They they won't be. I'm not saying that right. No, you're not. It's not free one bit. Shipping. Shipping. They will ship them to you for free. This you still is, have to buy this deer buds. This is what drives me nuts about these these episodes where we're we're in game. It's that my head is just all over the place, and these these in game episodes really um really fry me out by the end. I, I know what you mean. Oh God, I <laughs> I can't focus on anything. Um. But uh, yes, guys, uh, tweaked audio earbuds. Uh, it's a superior product. It really is. Um, we've been talking about them for many years. You go to their website, tweakedaudio.com. You're looking at maybe like a $25 price point on average, and you're going to be using these earbuds for years on end. Um, if they break, contact them. They will send you new earbuds for free. And and I do mean to say that. <laughs> they will definitely send you earbuds for free. Um, if you, if they happen to break in whatever way, they have a lifetime warranty on, on their earbuds. Um, also to sweeten the deal, they're going to send them to you. Your shipping is going to be free. No matter where you live in the world, shipping is free with tweakedaudio.com. Um, and we can get you 30% off. If you use our code off the record, all one word off the record at tweakedaudio.com, you'll get 30% off that 25, usually around $25 order. Uh, so, so it's a, it's as what they call a 360 win. Uh, you know, they win, we win, you win, everyone wins, uh, over at tweakedaudio.com. And of course at, um, at Amazon, Amazon audible, uh, audible.com slash quest gaming network. If you want a free download of an audio book, anyone, any, any audio book of your choosing at audible, just use that, just use that URL audible.com slash, uh, quest gaming network. Audible trial, audibletrial.com slash quest gaming network uh, is, is the link you're going to need to get your free download today. 
So thank you everyone who has uh, sponsored um, sponsored our show, uh, including all of all of Quest Gaming Network folks. Please check out all the things that are going on there. We've got a brand new episode of Dragon Age off the record. It's fantastic. Huge thanks to um, uh, Biofan on his uh, Twitter account at Biofan Official for uh, making a nice little video there for uh, Dragon Age off the record. Uh, he did a great job, and uh, he wanted to sort of, you know, get the word out that the new episode is out. So go check it out. If you're a Dragon Age fan, go to Dragon Age Off the Record uh, on our website, questgamingnetwork.com, and uh, enjoy enjoy the uh, enjoy the musings of Liz and Rode, and of course, uh, Biofan is makes an appearance on that show too. It's it's great stuff. Um, of course, Fallout Off the Record, KD Radio, uh, Fallout Off the Record. Hey, the the OTR show that's all about the Fallout universe. Visit Rick and Shalene in the Wasteland, and um, they'll uh, do some Wasteland stuff with you <laughs> over at Fallout Off the Record. And KD Radio, Rick and Shalene, uh, they drop the Wasteland, head inside for a little retro gaming on KD Radio. It's our uh, retro gaming uh, podcast that uh, people have been have been going nuts over. Um, when's the next one coming out? Well, hey, uh, they've been asking uh, this Friday. Uh, Fallout Off the Record and KD Radio will be recording live right here on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Quest Gaming Network. Fallout Off the Record records on Sundays. They're back. Visit Derek and Poke for that one. They're they're great guys. They know about uh, they know all about uh, Warcraft. Big big info coming out on the uh, the new the new. Um, uh, Warcraft um, expansion, the new X-Pack. They've been doing a great job uh, bringing you that info on the podcast and on YouTube as well. So you should check out their um, their videos for, uh, for the uh, new Warcraft expansion uh, coming out. And um, of course, Let's Be Heroes. That's the, uh, the show that Dave and I do uh, every single day, Monday through Friday in the morning. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to sweeten your uh, workday with uh, you know, a tiny little gameplay video it's it's sure to be uh it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun uh sometimes uh, we brought liz on t- uh, for a couple episodes of doom last week and that's been hilarious uh goat simulator is something that's just a, it's an episode that that we've got out there um people have been raving about that we're coming back Complete next week chaos total chaos we're coming back next week for let's be heroes uh with a little a, a one or two episodes of goat simulator i'm, I'm willing to bet so my daughter was, we're having dinner today and the TV's on. She's watching one of her little TV shows and the little characters are at a farm, a petting farm and the goat gets loose and gets onto the tractor and it's causing havoc throughout the farm, riding around on the tractor. And we look at each other and we're like, goat simulator, goat havoc. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that's, that's, let's be heroes. It's, it's a, uh, it's a good time. It sure is, and it hits you Monday through Friday on that one um, on our YouTube channel. Uh, and of course, let's let us not forget uh, the the, uh, the the brand new um, out of the gate success that's been QGDND. Um, QGDND it's a it's a it's a podcast that's been going um, every other week, but we're soon to be looking to turn that into a, a weekly show, right? Right, Mark. Yes, uh, we are going to be releasing the fourth episode as of uh, next uh, next Wednesday, um, at which point the show will be going weekly. So the following Wednesday, you'll also see episode five and so on. Um, I'm really excited about this one because episodes one to three were crazy, crazy fun. You know, 
we've been getting amazing responses from them. But as far as I'm concerned, having run the games, I find that episodes four and five are where the game really gets its legs under it and starts really getting moving. Because it gets crazy from there on in. Oh, it, it sure does. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, when, when we don't put out a podcast, uh, we've got Mark um, and his, uh, his, his uh, DM's diary. On our YouTube I just channel. realized I ha- I filmed the, uh, the one for this week last week and I forgot to send it to you. I will do that right after I'm done here and yeah. you can get it up when you have time. Sounds good. Uh, that'll be that'll be hitting this week on the YouTube channel. Uh, Mark basically takes a few minutes to talk about the last episode on the podcast that you heard in video format. So you may want to check that out too if you're a fan of that show. Um, again, thank you everyone for all of your support. It's been wonderful. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes. Hey, the Stitcher radio app, um, for, for those of you out there who don't have an iPhone, uh, we highly recommend it. Sounds very good sound quality off that. And of course, questgamingnetwork.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR. You can follow Mike at KDR Mickey. That's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. Uh, you can follow Mark at Cardigan Wolf. That's C A R N E G A N W O L F E. Time to say goodbye, folks. Let's start with Mark. Oh man, this this was a great episode. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun, actually. You know, discussing things in a bit more of an RP sense. Uh, you know, stepping away a bit from the mechanics and just going into the, you know, what what is evil in the terms of this game. So no, this this was fun. We have to do something like this again. And uh, Mike, sweet mother, sweet mother, we're all done. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> send your child unto me. <laughs> um, great job, guys. Uh, great job to uh, to Mike, the writer extraordinaire of of classic Elder Scrolls, and to uh, to Mark our. Uh, amazing, our amazing scenarist. Um, you guys breathe life into this episode that uh, uh, that it's just it's just simply not there um, until you guys get your your fingers into it. So, you guys did a fantastic job with this episode. Uh, thank you, folks, for for coming in uh, and watching us uh, do this show live. Uh, thank you for listening, downloading. Of course, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, there's been a link provided on the uh, on the episode here, and. Uh, We'll see you next week. Next week's a huge episode. I know we spoke about it last week, but uh, we had to sort of put things off. Um, there was a scheduling conflict again. But next week, it's been cemented. I spoke to Jessica Falsam, the community manager at Zenimax Online Studios. We spoke to her. It's, it is cemented, written in stone, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Quest Gaming Network's uh, YouTube channel. We've got Rich Lambert, creative director of ESO. We're going to be talking about Update 11. Um, Tamriel, uh, one Tamriel, we're going to be talking about, um, as well as uh, Update 11 on the PTS. Lots of different questions, folks. Lots of different questions. He's going to be answering our questions, but more importantly, your questions as well in the live chat room. And that's going to be at youtube.com slash network slash live. Go ahead and check that out. Ask some questions over to Rich Lambert, and uh, he'll he'll be more than happy to answer them. As always, take care, everyone. Be safe, and may the FPS be with you. <laughs> <laughs>
Sweet mother, sweet mother, being child under me, sweet mother. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Oh, God!